The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, I haven't sat down with Mr. Ursay in a while. You know, I know I believe in Carson. Um, you know, I believe that, you know, I, I believe in him. I, I stuck my neck out for him. You know, I stuck my neck out for him. So, um, you know, last year I was a big part of, big part of that decision to get him here. And so, um, you know, I, I believe he's going to continue. I believe he's going to continue to have a lot of success at quarterback. That might be here. It might not be here. That decision has yet to be determined. We're still working through it. And I know I'm going to get a lot of questions about Carson right now. And it's a, I don't have a direct answer for you. Um, we're working through it. Jim, Mr. Ursay, and Frank and I will sit down over the next 10 days and, and figure out where it's going. But if the criticism's fair, then we got to be able to look internally and accept that and grow from it. And look, I'm not saying all of your, it's, most of it's pretty fair. Um, and, be interesting to see how he grows from this. I think he will. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. Another perfect afternoon to discuss developments in the world of football since we signed off at 9 a.m. Eastern on PFT Live. Because yet again, for the third straight day, there has been a significant development. All this one, not as big of a deal as yesterday. Plenty to unpack as... The Indianapolis Colts unload Carson Wentz upon the unsuspecting Washington Commanders. Miles Simmons, Mike Florio here with you over the course of the next hour. We're going to break it all down, plus everything else happening in the NFL. Miles, hello. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks, Mike. Um, I, you know, I got to say today I am wearing contacts for the first time because, you know, usually I just don't wear my glasses. So if I start blinking uncontrollably, that's why. It's not just that I'm like trying to send something in Morse code. I can already feel like this is this could be a problem, and I might rip them out of my eyes just in the middle of the show. Well, the 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 blinking on Friday would have been understandable because I was in the midst of some sort of an episode for the first ten minutes <laughs> of the program, and I am happy to report that I'm in a much better overall frame of mind today. The alcohol is kicking in as we speak. So oh. <laughs> you won't be you won't be doing this like what is wrong with this guy. So we'll be on the lookout for any excessive blinking. And at some point you need to go off screen to remove the tiny little lenses that are oh. that are tearing into your eyeballs away from your body and put glasses on. That's fine. But I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't wear glasses. I, I somehow managed to pass the eye test every time I go back for a new driver's license and every year when I get a physical, <laughs> I think I've memorized, I go to the same place every year for a physical. And I really do think I've memorized all the letters. <laughs> I really don't see them. I just remember NJKHL. So as long as I remember that's <laughs> you know the bottom right line. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me my test right now. Um, oh. Okay. Let's, let's get to it. Well, good luck with the contact lenses. Oh, and thanks, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, I'd be too aware of them. I, I, I feel like there are little bugs crawling on my eyes, but don't let that affect you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Washington Commanders fans may feel like little bugs are crawling all over their skin, given that <laughs> their quarterback 
is Carson Wentz. And look, on the surface, on the surface, you look at this and you say, what in the hell were the commanders thinking? To give up two third-round picks. The third-round pick can become a second-round pick. And uh, wait a minute. Is that, is that, I think we got that. I think that's what, the, the commanders are getting a 2022 second. Are they flip-flopping second-round picks? Is that what yes. happened? So maybe it's less yes, of a whole. Yes, they are. All right. The, the well, Colts are effectively they, moving up from 47 overall to 42 okay. overall after they give up, missed, after they do this pick swap of uh, 2022 okay. picks. That's Somebody a, didn't that's read a minor, our story on this. That's huh? a minor piece. I didn't. No, I don't read that crap. I listen to Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and I don't waste my time reading that crap. So I, I missed the 2022 second round flip-flop. It's two third-round picks, and one of them become a second rounder. That's the guts of the deal. Yeah. And they're taking on, the commanders are, the entirety of the compensation package for Carson Wentz, more than $28 million this year. And I, I think we look at it and say, why? Who else was in this? Well, the problem is, for as motivated as the Colts were to sell Carson Wentz, the commanders were even more motivated to get anybody, and they get, they gave it away last week. They made it too clear last week. They were burned by the fact that they didn't even get a chance to bid on Matthew Stafford. They were not taking any chances this year, Miles Simmons. They were not going to allow any flanks to be exposed. They found the guy that they were able to get, even if he was playing C, D, E, F, or G, and they were getting him. And Ron Rivera put it best last week. Does anyone remember what the Rams gave up to get Matthew Stafford? That was the indication that this team was going to do whatever it had to do to get a better quarterback. But did they really get that much of a better quarterback? And I think that the jury is going to be out on that for a little bit. Look, I, I'm not a really big fan of Carson Wentz. I think he's okay. I would have I think never guessed from your well. Twitter feed. At times. I would have never guessed. <laughs> I would have never guessed from your Twitter feed. Yeah, you wouldn't have. Well, here's the deal, Mike. I mean, I just, I think he's all right. You know, but I go back to the 2016 Senior Bowl, and that was the first time I, I think anybody among, you know, real NFL media, right, real got the chance to see him do much of anything. And I just remember looking at him and seeing that it looked like everything was right when he would start to pass. You know, his base would be good, his drop back would be good, and then he let the ball go, and he would just airmail it to these guys that were just like, they were right there, and you're just going against air. And I'm like, what the hell is up with this? So from then on, I guess that's kind of affected my perception of Carson Wentz. And look, his 2020 season was a disaster. He was much better in 2021 for the Indianapolis Colts, but when they needed him to be great, now, Frank Reich talked about this in December and early January. We're going to need Carson Wentz to win a game for us. And when they needed him to do that, he couldn't do it. He was terrible in that last game of the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars when they needed him to be just good enough to win the game and get you into the postseason. So, I mean, if Frank Reich couldn't solve the puzzle that is Carson Wentz, given their history, I'm not really sure how Washington is going to be able to do it. Well, coaches tend to think that they will be the ones to fix a guy who needs to be fixed. We see it happen with off-field issues. We see it happen with on-field issues. And Zach Kiefer of The Athletic explained that the Colts believed, some in the organization believed, that Wentz had a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, and a reckless style of play. Now, we'd heard about the lack of leadership in the past when he was with the Eagles. We'd witnessed the resistance to hard coaching, given the fact that he and Doug Peterson were on the outs in 2020. 
And the reckless style of play is obvious. He's got a habit of trying to do too much, which puts him in harm's way, which causes him to make dumb throws and or be dragged down by Aaron Donald and sprain both ankles because he had to hold on to the football because he had to be Superman. He had to try to do something that he isn't able to do. And one of the big qualities, underrated but obvious qualities of a quarterback, is to know your limits, to color within the lines. Jameis Winston has this problem. Carson Wentz has this problem. Others have the problem. They try to do more than they're physically capable of doing. They try to make throws they can't make. They try to extend plays in a way that they physically can't. And they get themselves injured. And they get themselves to do stupid things like this with the left-handed throw that ends up being a touchdown against the Tennessee Titans. That said, that said, the guy was an MVP candidate in 2017 until he tore his ACL in a game against the Rams at the Coliseum, you were probably there. You probably had the voodoo there. doll, the way it sounds like you, you don't like this. You, you, you wish – it's your fault. Oh, you you this. put this evil on Get Carson Wentz. Um, but, but, uh, but then in 2018, I, the problem is he got injured. He was doing well, had the broken back. In comes Nick Foles. They win the Super Bowl, right? No, mm-hmm. wait, that was 2017. 2018. No, Foles almost won the game – against uh, the New Orleans Saints down there at the Superdome. That's it. That's it. With the broken back, 2018. Yeah. And I actually picked them to win that game. They were up 14-0 against the Saints. That was the game where on the first play from scrimmage, Drew Brees throws the long pass, Cravon LeBlanc with the interception. That was when we Mm -hmm. all said, well, maybe Drew can't throw the deep ball like he used to and uh, still played at a high level for a couple more years after that. 2019 was the year that Wentz, ironically – I think, stayed healthy while everyone else got injured and carried the team to the playoffs with a bunch of guys who were like, who's that? Who's this? Who's that? Who's that? They get to the playoffs, and then he gets speared by Jadavian Clowney and uh, gets knocked out of the game. Josh McCown plays season over. but uh, And then 2020 was just a mess. But the guy's done some good. He's capable of doing some good. And I think they realized Taylor Heineke was at his ceiling. And Wentz has a higher ceiling if you can just get him to get back there. The problem is on his way to climb the stairs toward the ceiling, he may fall through the railing and screw up everything. But I I just think for a team that has called around to every other team, this is the best they could do. They had to pull the trigger. They knew the lay of the land. They knew what was out there. They knew who they could get, and this was the best they could do. And they weren't going to let – uh, uh, t- to try to, to get, get into a tough negotiation and have the Steelers swoop in and take him. Again, we don't know who else was out there. I don't think they wanted to take the risk, Miles. They realized this is the best guy we're going to get. He's better than who we have. We're sick of being crap at quarterback. We are making this move, even if we have to pay too much in salary, even if we have to pay too much in draft picks. We are going to do it, and it worked out perfectly for the Colts. There's Yes, yeah, I'm glad you said it worked out perfectly for the Colts and not necessarily Washington because the Colts really clearly wanted to get rid of Carson Wentz. When I say the Colts, really mean Jim Ursay. I think that was pretty clear from the end of the season how badly Jim Ursay was just so miffed at the way they lost those last two games. I mean, you got this man standing outside his private jet making a video basically apologizing to all the fans for the way things ended. Like, and that to me is where it was basically like, all right, well, it's over for somebody. And it doesn't seem like he's going to move on from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. He has some belief in those guys, but there just clearly was not that belief in Carson Wentz 
from ownership on down. And so when you hear those comments from Frank Reich last week at the Combine, where he's saying, you know, I still believe in this guy. I stuck my neck out for this guy. I think Reich probably could have gone into another season with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. But from Jim Hersey on down, it was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. I, we did this. We tried this. It didn't work. So we're going to go try to do something else. All right. And, and from his standpoint, and Jim Hersey, I understand that. From Washington's standpoint, I also understand why you would want somebody with who, who has, in theory, a higher ceiling. He's familiar with the division. He played in it for five years. But, you know, I mean, would you rather have him or would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky? Would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not really a great time to need a QB when you lost out on the guy who was going to be the best QB on the market, who's Russell Wilson. I mean, everybody else is just kind of like scrambling and now the dominoes are falling and it's like, well, there are only so many different seats here in this game of musical chairs. I don't, I don't really know how it's going to work out. And I understand why Washington did it, but I don't know that it really makes them that much better. Sims today and I were talking about Garoppolo versus Wentz and the way that yeah. the question was pondered, it was a would you rather segment and it was would you rather give up a first round pick for Garoppolo or a low round pick for Wentz and we both said wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah, all things equal we'll take Wentz over Garoppolo, I'll take Wentz over Garoppolo because I still feel like there's a lump of clay quality to Wentz that you can make Wentz better than he's been, maybe, maybe just oh. maybe, just maybe, yeah, hear me out, hear me out. I don't know, man. I don't know. What's what? I mean, like, I'm, I, you know, you brought Wait. up the Wentz was the MVP candidate in 2017. I'm tired of hearing He was. That. I'm he tired was. Of that was 2017, Mike. That was such a long time ago. That was five years ago. I was in my mid-20s then. I mean, come on. Like, that, that's not, that's I nothing. I was in my early 50s then. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. <laughs> and we see where you are now, right? So I'm, oh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not interested in hearing that. Like, that's not. I'll hear the 2019 argument because he did. He did do some good things there. And that's only a couple of years ago. But we, if we got to go back to 2017 for freaking anything at this point in the NFL, what are we really talking about? No. And Todd Gurley not... was probably the best player in the league that year, right? Where's Todd Gurley now? That's well, not, but I'm it's not, different. I'm not it's here different. For that. It's different at quarterback. It's I know it's different positions, it's different. but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, when we're talking about how quickly things move in the NFL, like that 2017 is not a reason to go after Carson Wentz. 2019 here's my point but yeah here's my point okay his ceiling is higher than garoppolo's that's my point his ceiling is higher the best yes the best of carson wentz is better than the best of jimmy garoppolo and garoppolo's got that same defect to a certain extent where he gets himself injured he does things he shouldn't do i still have the image of him in 2017 18 2018 week three arrowhead stadium the yeah, tough guy yeah. drop the shoulder into the DB and tear your ACL in the process. Stupid, completely avoidable, ridiculous, reckless. One of the concerns about Carson Wentz. But I think Ron Rivera believes he can coach a lot of that out of him. And this guy has nine Good years luck. with Cam Newton. I, well, he has nine years with Cam Newton. And I wonder how that relationship really was. But they made it work and he won a, an MVP. And I know it was 2015. But Ron yeah, Rivera... Exactly. I I I th- I just I have faith that Ron Rivera will find a way to speak to the better angels of Carson Wentz to get him to do the things he needs to do. Ron Rivera is an underrated coach in my estimation. I and and what else, Miles? What else are they going to do? 
That's I know, I know, I know, I know. They've had every door slammed in their face. You could you could replace Frank Reich with in that sentence that you just said about Ron Rivera, and pretty much you would get the same result if we were doing this a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that you could have said Frank Reich will probably speak to Carson Wentz's better angels because Frank Reich was there when Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate in 2017. So we'll see if Frank Reich can coach all of that out of him. And lo and behold, we're sitting here a year later and the same things that we heard about Carson Wentz from the Eagles sources last year when they traded him, we were talking about that lack of leadership, the reckless play, the resistance to hard coaching. It's the same stuff we're hearing out of the Colts now. So... I'm not really sure what's going to be different about all that when Carson Wentz is going to Washington. Maybe it's just going to be the fact that he's going to be around coaches he doesn't know as well. Maybe that's going to help him. Maybe another change of scenery is going to help him. Maybe two revenge games against the Eagles are going to help him. I don't know. But I also agree with you where you're like, well, what the hell else are they going to do? I don't know. They lost out on Russell Wilson. So like at this point, you just kind of, you know, throw your hands up and you're like, well, let's do something. Here's the difference. And I'm trying to come up with a metaphor, and this may be a little clunky, but it's never stopped me in the past. Mm -hmm. Here's what's different. Last year, last year, Wentz was the problem child who was living with one family member who decided they can't take it anymore, right? We got to get rid of this kid. This kid's just bad. Can't live here anymore. And another family member took him in. Yeah. Right? And, And so when that happens... I think Wentz is like, hey, Frank Reich wants me. All this other stuff is overblown bull crap. I'm not, I'm just going to be who I am because Frank Reich wants me. That's validation for everything I've ever done. And it went off the rails. This time around, he's getting kicked out of every family member's house. He's got to go live with a stranger. He's got to prove himself now. I think after it goes off the rails in Indy, the same way it went off the rails in Philly, now it's the wake-up call. I don't think he got the wake-up call last year because he was welcomed with open arms by someone who had worked with him before. And surely if Frank Reich believed all those things they were saying about Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, Frank Reich would have never said, come on home, we'll take care of you here. You ignore those, those mean people in Philadelphia who don't understand you and don't appreciate you. Now, now it's different. Now Wentz if he's ever going to grow up, and how old is he? Twenty-seven, probably twenty-seven, oh right? I'm twenty. Oh, jeez, he's twenty-nine. That's old. He's almost as old as Miles. Um, at, at some point, though, at some point, you know, physically, like Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. He's never getting any better. Wentz has shown that he's got a high degree of talent. If he gets to the point where he accepts what he needs to do, if he truly matures, if he truly changes, if he truly grows, and is willing to take hard coaching. Maybe he walks through the door and says, I've heard all this criticism, Coach Rivera. Do your best. Do your worst. I'm going to be the lump of clay. Mold me the way you want. I understand my career is now on the line. He, th- th- this is, I, you, you could say he's, he's falling upward, but he sort of is. Did we really think for sure he was going to be a starting quarterback in 2022? I wasn't 100% certain he was going to be. He's getting an opportunity, but... He now, I think, understands. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because it, it always frustrates me when you have somebody who is good at the hard parts of a job and is tripping over the easy parts of the job. And it would seem to me the easy part of the job when you have the size, when you have the skill, when you have the arm talent, 
when you have the stuff that does not grow on trees, the easy part is developing the leadership skill. The easy part is taking coaching. The easy part is staying within the confines of what your talent level is, doing the little things. He's got the hard part covered. He's just got to focus on taking care of the little things, the easy things, the stuff anyone can do. If he can do that, he can still be pretty good, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if the, the, the easy stuff is as easy as you're making it seem, Mike. If people are who they are, you know, especially once you get to be 28, 29, 30. It's not like you're going to all of a sudden change. I mean, maybe the career circumstances will make him say, yeah, I have to be better at X, Y, Z. I have to be better in terms of being a leader. I, I have to be better at taking coaching. I can't just go in and do the same things that I've done. But I mean, if you look at like stats and maybe this is the way Carson Wentz would think about it. It's like, well, Hey man, I had a much better season in 2021 than I did in 2020. You know, my sack rate, was cut in half, basically. So he was taking sacks on about 10.5% of his dropbacks in 2020, and that went down to about 5.8% in 2021. So he was getting rid of the ball better in most situations, but then when it came to the last couple weeks of the season, he just couldn't really get it done when he needed to. So I don't know if that's something where he's going to say, you know, I, I absolutely have messed up so much you know, but first they sent me out to live with my aunt and uncle in Bel Air, and now I have to go to Albuquerque, <laughs> New Mexico. That's you know, it. With some strangers. How, how and, you could know, I? Instead of, how did yeah. I miss that? I have no idea. How did I how miss you did. that? Peacock yeah. now streaming. Yeah. The, and yes. I, I like. I didn't. I haven't watched. I'm not caught up yet, but I liked when I watched the first couple episodes of Bel Air because <laughs> Fresh Prince was appointment viewing for my wife and I back in the days when we were courting Monday nights. I think it was oh. eight o'clock. Yes, yes. I have no uh, idea. Anyway. I wasn't even alive. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, w- here's, the other, here's the other wrinkle. Okay. Going back to the same division where the Eagles are. Give him a mm-hmm. little. I, I just think that Rivera's got to come up with ways to, to motivate him to be the best he can be. And maybe facing the Eagles twice a year will do that. I mean, that, that, that's fascinating to me. You have a lot Going of faith in Ron Rivera. From whence he you, came. You, and you yeah. always express it. Like, you, you have a lot of faith in Ron Rivera, and I, I, I respect that. I do. That's, that is one of the things that you, you have really stuck to in the times that I have been doing this show for a year now. Like, you, you really believe in Ron Rivera. I do. And I think that, that he will find a way to make this work. He will find a way to make it work. And you know what? If it doesn't, he'll get dumped next year. He probably won't get traded. He's probably not going to be the Brandon Cooks of quarterbacks and get traded every year for three <laughs> years straight. But but uh, he'll be out. They're not going to double down. If it's a mistake, if it ends up Peter Brady Volcano blowing up everywhere, they will move on. And, you know, you got to take your, you got to take your shots. You got to take your swings. I admire the, the willingness to do what needs to be done to try to make the team better. When – you try to get Russell Wilson, and you don't get him. When you surely called the Packers about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers weren't going to trade him within the conference, even to one of the lesser teams in the conference, because Rodgers would still make the Washington Commanders a hell of a lot better team by his mere presence. So they tried, they tried, and really, after Rodgers and Wilson, it's a long drop to the next tier, yes. Miles, and it may have come down yes. to Garoppolo and, and uh, Wentz. And with Garoppolo having shoulder surgery this week, and the 49ers probably wanting a hell of a lot more than what was given up 
to get Wentz. And with Garoppolo in the last year of his contract with a $25 million compensation package, no guarantees beyond this year. If he's good, then you're stuck. you got a franchise tag him or sign him to do a big contract. They at least have some control over Carson Wentz. And, again, I would take Wentz over Garoppolo. All things equal, I'll take Wentz. You take Garoppolo. One of us will be 8-9, and nine and the other will be 7-11. and 11. Yes, probably. 7-10, and 10, actually. But you were close seven enough. 7-10. You know, well, yeah, they're going to have 18 games. They know who store. we mean. Yeah, exactly. Eventually they will. I mean, I, I, I will say this, you know, even though like I clearly am not like the biggest fan of the move, I think that when you're in a position where you have to do something, this is a risk worth taking because on the off chance that you're right, then you're still good. You're going to be in a good position with Carson Wentz. You're going to be in a favorable position. And, you know, when it comes to the quarterbacks in this year's draft class, you're probably out of luck if you really want to go all in on one of those guys, I mean, it's just not the same kind of caliber of draft class that we've seen in the last few years. So when it comes to quarterbacks, so I, I don't love it, but I also understand that Washington is in a position where like, look, let's just throw this dart at the board. Let's see if it works. Let's see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, we're back at the drawing board next year, which we probably would be anyway. I mean, it's basically what the Colts did too. So you know, you, sometimes you got to just rearrange the deck chairs in the Titanic and hope it works, I guess. How would you have felt about the Washington Commanders going after Deshaun Watson? I think it would have made a lot of sense. You know, I mean, but geez, I mean, from an on-field standpoint, but geez, you know, like when now is, I, 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 I heard that and I thought, well, like we're talking about what's on the field, right? But then you think, five seconds after I say that out of my mouth and it's like, good Lord, like that's not necessarily the type of alleged behavior that you want in an organization with all of the alleged behavior that we've heard about. Right. So uh, I don't know. Well, from a PR perspective, when you consider the fact that this team's already getting dragged over the front office allegations, how much worse would it be if they add Deshaun Watson and if, right. if they start winning it all, it all look winning is the ultimate deodorant when it comes to things of this nature. Sure. I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't have. I, I surely they thought about it before they went Carson Wentz because we're just two days away from the grand jury considering the criminal cases against Deshaun Watson. He may have a clean bill of legal health, at least from the criminal side of the ledger. Civil case is still alive, obviously, but by the time we're doing the show on Friday, Miles, we may know that the grand jury did what they call return no true bill. I never did quite understand what that meant, but that means didn't indict him. If he's not indicted, he's in play. And I think he lands with an NFC team. And I think Carolina's got to be feeling pretty good about their chances, especially with Washington moving on with Wentz. I, I just, I, I really, I feel like there's a story to be told there. And maybe somebody who actually, you know, covers the sport for a living like me or you will find it out. But I, I'd love to know what made Washington do it now why right now why was the time now to pull the trigger was there someone else that was going to do the deal was there some other player that washington thought maybe they could wait and get but they decided let's not screw around we don't want to miss out but the timing seems a little odd to me and the time is right for the colts to move on and look for someone else how about jimmy garoppolo reportedly expected to be in the mix the colts are for garoppolo is that an, is it an upgrade over Wentz? I, when the owner has decided he hates the guy, anyone's an upgrade. And that you mentioned yes. that earlier. I mean, this was Jim Irsay deciding, get this guy the F out of here. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want this guy as the quarterback of my football team. The fact that they got anything under those circumstances is remarkable. Yes. Garoppolo, at least, at least he's not going to piss off the owner on the way through the door, but is he going to take a team that almost made it to the playoffs to the promised land? Yeah, well, I mean, in this case, you know, like you're saying, it wasn't even Jim Ursay being like, oh, won't someone rid me of this meddlesome priest? He told Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, get this meddlesome priest the hell up out of my organization. So I guess that's kind of the one thing there, right? But I look, why I would think Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe a better option than Carson Wentz at this point is because you have some real playoff experience and winning playoff games and making some winning plays. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo also makes the losing plays, and I think we've seen that plenty. But what I think about with Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes is how he can do things when he needs to the most. That Week 18 game against the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium, he made play after play on that last drive to bring San Francisco down and tie that game. And then they were able to win it in overtime because Matthew Stafford threw a boneheaded interception down the right sideline when he was trying to target Odell Beckham Jr. So there are times where Jimmy Garoppolo has played great. In 2019, we want to talk about 2019 with Carson Wentz. Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty consistent there. And then in the playoffs, yes, you know, Kyle Shanahan kind of pulled the reins back and was basically like, you're not going to lose this. Kind of. Because we had such a, we have a good running game. I know, I know, I know. But I let you talk about Carson Wentz in 2017, all right? So this is what I'm going to do here. I just feel like if you want a veteran guy who's got that playoff experience and can help you, then Jimmy Garoppolo, especially after the experience of Carson Wentz, is a decent option, especially because there's not much else out there right now. So I and with the cap space that the Colts have right now, I, I think that I understand why they would be interested in Garoppolo to replace somebody like Carson Wentz. Yeah, and again, what other options do they have? First guy I thought of when I saw the report of Wentz to Washington was Kirk Cousins. Because wouldn't Kirk Cousins be the perfect quarterback for what the Colts are trying to be a fringe playoff team. Just get in. Don't worry about whether or not you, I mean, really, that's what they're trying to be because I I was on with Paul Allen. That's what, that, that's what he will lead you to be a fringe playoff team. You'll get in. Why am I in it? My goodness. Is that a nowhere slamming the Vikings? (laughs) But that's, that's, I was on with Paul Allen earlier today. And that was the point I made. There's plenty of teams out there that would love to be mediocre which is what the Vikings currently are right now as they reside in purple purgatory. So uh, the problem is Cousins is, as a practical matter, untradeable because he's got one year at $35 million. You can't franchise tag him next year because it would be $64 million. He'd get a, a 44% raise over his $45 million cap number. He's not going to sign an extension. He's the GOAT when it comes to football business, and uh, that's not even a consideration. And, and I, I assume that Washington oh, – I don't think Washington called the Vikings, but I assume the Colts at least considered it. Wouldn't that have been something if the commanders had brought Kirk Cousins back home? That would have been something. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, that Garoppolo is the best option. But yeah. if they could somehow convince Cousins to sign a contract that isn't ridiculous, he may be in a better spot in Indianapolis than he'd be in Minnesota. The Kevin O'Connell connection is strong. But, I, I, I again, I, that's pie in the sky for the Colts. They, they just they need yeah. someone who can be a stopgap while they try to figure out where their next franchise quarterback is going to come from. And they just continue to struggle to deal with that aftermath of the Andrew Luck surprise retirement from August of 2019. 
Yeah, look at this. I mean, the week one starting QBs have been different for the last five years and will be different again for another si for a sixth consecutive year for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I would ask you this, though, Mike. If you are the Indianapolis Colts, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Marcus Mariota, or Mitchell Trubisky? I would probably rather have Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. By a hair over Marcus Mariota. A hair. Because I don't I, – Mariota gets injured. Do you remember last year, like it was the first week of the season, the <laughs> Monday night game it. against the Ravens? He has the big run, and then he injures yeah. himself. on the, on the the yeah. you know So I, I, yeah. I think Trubisky – Trubisky to me is a very compelling figure in that he went to the playoffs twice with the Bears. He was never a match for Matt Nagy. Last year, he, he spent a year in limbo with the Bills, and maybe he learned a few things. I think he's going to end up with the Giants, but I, I would go for him. Of those three, I would go for him and just yeah. see what I happens. Mean, Reasonable contract, that, see what happens. See, but by that same point, if I were Washington, I might have wanted to go for Mitchell Trubisky more than Carson Wentz. Because we know that Mitchell Trubisky can do some things. I mean, frankly, I would rather have Mitchell Trubisky than Carson Wentz. I just would, you know. And I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Trubisky, I think. But Trubisky over Wentz. Because I think that there is some more upside to Mitchell Trubisky that might be untapped. And if you get Trubisky, you're not giving up any draft pick compensation. So perhaps you can surround him with some more talented young guys that can help him. So I, that's... That's at least the way I would think of it. I mean, I, if I'm the Colts, I don't know if I would rather have Garoppolo. It, it depends on what the price is, I guess. But Garoppolo over Mitchell Trubisky is one thing. But if we all believe, and it seems like a lot of us do, that Trubisky is going to end up going to the Giants, then you might be, you know, stuck without a chair at the end of uh, the, the music with musical chairs. You know, if you don't go out there and get somebody like a Carson Wentz or a Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. Uh... We have somehow exhausted a half hour of the program talking about a descending talented quarterback and a team. Mediocre QBs, baby. <laughs> hey, there's 32 teams. Only one's going to win the Super Bowl. Another six or seven are pretty damn good. And then there's all the rest. And we have to pay attention to all the rest sometimes. We are going to talk about a team that is trying to go from all the rest to top of the league the Denver Broncos with the Russell Wilson trade he sends his regards to Seattle in a new tweet and we'll talk about the aftermath of the trade to the Broncos when PFTPM continues right after the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, for me, uh, you know, I think what I'm really super passionate about, obviously, you know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls. And um, you know, my plan is to win them here.
Go Bronx. Uh, I love that. Well oh, done. man. I Very love It's well Always done. Sunny. I love that show, man. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. That was fantastic. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, Russell Wilson has issued his farewell to Seattle. He's forever grateful to the place he said he never wanted to leave. And uh, I think as recently as last week, he was he was spewing that crap. But that's fine. That's fine. Guys do that. Coaches do it. Players do it. Owners do it. GMs do it. They say what they have to say. There's the tweet. I love you. Yeah. Forever grateful. Hashtag number three. And uh, off he goes to Denver. It'll be official next Wednesday. One of these trades is going to fall apart before they become official. One of these days it's going to happen. It's going to be the one time that we don't say, oh, by the way, it's not official till it's official, that it does fall apart. But there's no reason to think it will. By the way, Wilson also has signed off on his no-trade clause. He's waived it. He's passed a physical already. The Seahawks allowed that to happen. So it's just a matter of, of both sides communicating the information to the league next Wednesday after 4 o'clock Eastern, and it will be done. We didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday because Shereen was on, but um, your, your, just your, in a nutshell, your big-picture reaction to the Broncos making the move for Russell. I didn't see it coming as soon as it did, um, but I think it's pretty obvious that once the Aaron Rodgers domino fell, this is something that we've really been saying all the way going back to January at the end of the regular season. Once the Aaron Rodgers domino falls, then the other quarterback dominoes will start falling. Now, I didn't think it would be three hours after the Aaron Rodgers domino fell that then Russell Wilson, as probably the, the Broncos' second choice, would then immediately become like, yeah, okay, it's he's the new Broncos quarterback. Um, and honestly, I just, for whatever naive reason, I just figured that Seattle and Russell Wilson would be able to figure it out based on the track record of success that they had. But I guess it just became clear that when you get to a certain point in a relationship, and this can be any kind of relationship, like so, sometimes you just get to a point of no return. And, you know, read that story in The Athletic today where they basically were saying like there was no trust left between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And it's kind of a shame based on all the success that they had. But once you get to that point, divorce becomes inevitable. And, you know, the Broncos were the first ones in line and they made the right trade offer. And Russell Wilson said, yeah, I want to go there and be the third best quarterback, maybe the fourth in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert. Very simple explanation. Russell Wilson always wanted to be the guy for whom the offense ran. It's the whole let Russ cook thing from a couple of years ago. And I remember saying on... Football Night in America, early in the 2020 season, it's time to let Russ cook, and if they don't, he's going to be baking a cake for somebody else. And two years later, here we are. So he wants to be Patrick Mahomes. He wants to be Aaron Rodgers. He wants to be the guy who is making the magic, not the guy who's handing the ball off, trusting the defense, and then in the fourth quarter, if they're down by seven or ten points, it's, oh, Russ, can you save us? He was tired of that. He was done with that. And every effort by whichever offensive coordinator it was to change it, Pete Carroll was the guy who was keeping it from happening. So that's why this was destined to happen. They weren't going to use him like Mahomes. They have had to pay him at the top of the market. He was one year away from his next renegotiation where he's going to want $50 million or more per year. So the Seahawks decide, you know what, let's just move him now. We're going to get more now than if we trade him in a year where the new team is going to have to give him a new contract on the way through the door. It all makes sense. And Russell Wilson played it cool because I think he knew. He knew. He had a good poker face. He knew what was. Mm -hmm. He knew that he had the strong hand. He didn't have to agitate this year. And uh, the Broncos 
make the move. Seven assets given up to get him. Two ones, two twos. Guy they could have had 10 years ago. That's what I love about this. They took Brock Osweiler, who was a disaster, mostly a disaster. They could have had Russell Wilson 10 years ago. Two ones, two twos, three players to get Russell Wilson. So uh, Now, you, you alluded to the circumstances, Miles, that suggest that Russell Wilson was plan B. The Broncos are trying to paint Russell Wilson as plan A. It's hard to yeah, buy I got, a, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to buy it. And the idea that – because someone pointed out to me, well, you know, this trade was in the works for a month. That doesn't make him yeah. plan A. That, exactly. that means – they had a deal with Seattle. They had a deal in place if Aaron Rodgers chooses Denver. And it's just a matter of waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make up his mind. So once he yeah. does, boom, it's a flow. It's a simple flow chart. Once Aaron Rodgers says no, you say yes to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson before somebody else can jump in, although reportedly the Broncos were the only place Russell Wilson wanted to go. So I don't believe that he was plan A. I don't believe it for a second. I believe they were working on the trade for a month, but I yeah. believe – that it was Rodgers, and if they really want to sell that it wasn't Rodgers, wait a day, <laughs> wait yeah. two days, or <laughs> or do it before Rodgers announces his decision. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but no, I, I don't think that, the, I have no problem with that from what the Broncos did. I think that's smart general managing by Peyton, right? If you can't get the best one, then yeah, you go to plan B. That's why plan B exists. And it was a good plan B. I don't have any problem with the plan B they chose. They needed a franchise quarterback. They brought in the second best quarterback who was potentially available. And really, he's the best quarterback who was available because Aaron Rodgers, it turns out, was not. So I have no problem at all with them going from Aaron Rodgers as plan A to Russell Wilson as plan B. And I also don't have a problem with them trying to sell us as the fact that this was their plan A, if that's what really what they want to do that's their prerogative our prerogative is going to be to tell the all you folks you lovely folks the audience that no that really doesn't make very much sense other news from today Alejandro Villanueva who was a very good left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers jumped to the Ravens in free agency a guy who who went to the military got into the NFL older than he otherwise would have made a nice career for himself he retires after seven seasons in the NFL. I'm kind of surprised, but you know, Hey, there's something to be said for walking away while you can still walk. The injuries are real. The long-term effects can be substantial. And if you've banked your money and you're ready to move on and you're not, and if you're not in the right mindset to sign up and do it again, you shouldn't keep playing. You should move on. So congratulations to Villanueva for what was an unexpectedly good career. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that if you watch some of those Ravens games late in the season or sometimes even earlier in the season, it seems like Villanueva just wasn't necessarily at the peak performance that he had been. So I I also congratulate him on a really nice, really nice career. When you play as many consecutive games as he did as a left tackle, it's not easy to do. So, you know, tip of the cap to him for that. Didn't enter the NFL until 2014. He's 33 years old, landed with the Steelers after being undrafted by the Eagles. And, uh, yeah, he did a nice job helping the Steelers' offensive line become much better than it had been in a very long time. All right, the Brian Flores case, who's now uh, working as an assistant with the Steelers, there was a development that I had been waiting for, and I had expected this one. And this gets into the legal weeds a little bit, but it's important. In every coaching contract, there is a provision – that provides that any disputes will be resolved in an arbitration proceeding 
presided over by the commissioner or his representative. It, it stacks the deck in favor of the league, of the team. Good luck prevailing when the guy who is bought and paid for by the 32 teams is the one who is making the decision. There was uh, a statement released today by Brian Flores regarding the fact that the Dolphins want the claims against them to be sent to arbitration based on the language contained in the Brian Flores employment contract. Now, the implicit good news is maybe, maybe, we'll see, because John Gruden's dealing with this argument in his lawsuit. Maybe the NFL won't try to get the claims against it sent to arbitration. But what they're doing with Gruden is they're saying that the Constitution and bylaws require the arbitration of any claims against any team at any time, yada, yada, yada. Uh, But it's an easier argument as, as it relates to the Dolphins contract. And Flores' point is very simple. And we've, we've said this. If you're serious about rooting out systemic racism, if you're serious about solving this problem, a problem that you have acknowledged, a problem that Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations, has admitted to on multiple occasions, if you're serious about it, let's not have this landmark case get resolved in secret. Let's not have it resolved by the fox that guards the hen house. Let's have it resolved by an independent tribunal, a truly neutral party who can decide whether or not discrimination happened. If you're really serious about fixing it, you waive this right that is in every coach's contract. Because who's going to say no? Who's going to say no, Miles? I want to be an NFL head coach. Well, you got to sign this document that says any fights you may ever have with your team get resolved by the commissioner. You're going to say, you know what? I just, I'll just not be an NFL head coach. you got no choice. They rig this thing in favor of the teams and of the league. And in this case, of all the cases, in this case, this is the one where they should waive it. It's wrong for them to hide behind a secret arbitration process if they truly want us to believe that they understand this is a problem that needs to be addressed head on. So I I have a question about this sort of legal procedurally, if that's a term. So if we're talking about the Dolphins portion of this going to arbitration. Is that different and separate from what would be against, in theory, the other parties named in the suit? So the NFL, the Giants, and the Broncos. Potentially, but, but, and I said this very inarticulately earlier, John Gruden's lawsuit against the NFL for engineering his termination by selectively leaking emails that he sent to Bruce Allen years ago, not to minimize what he did but it's something that happened a long time ago and now it becomes the thing we know we know all that but the point is the nfl is trying to get that to arbitration under the terms of the nfl's constitution and bylaws so it could be it could be because for whatever reason the dolphins sent the judge a letter regarding the arbitration provision well what the dolphins are supposed to do is file a motion to compel arbitration i don't know why you bring it up in the form of a letter to the judge you file your response and your response is this should all be in arbitration so I, I, I kind of expect that the league is going to do the same thing. Now, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll back off. Maybe the compromise is we're going to act on the arbitration provision that is in the contract he signed with the Dolphins. We're not going to try to get ourselves pretzeled into, a, into an argument over constitution and bylaws and claims against people we never worked for, claims against the Broncos, claims against the Giants, eventual claim against the Texans. We're not going to go down that path. We'll let that be addressed in court. But I, I, I just I think it's a risky argument for the NFL. And one of the things I'm going to try to do, Miles, is make sure people understand it. Because I think they're going to hide behind the reality that most people don't understand what this means. What this means is they are trying to brush it all under the rug. They are trying to have it all done in secret. 
that doesn't mesh with the supposed concern that they have to fix this issue. If they really want to fix this issue, they should welcome external oversight, not try to prevent it. Well, and that's kind of what they've been talking about when meeting with with different folks that are, you know, leaders in the African-American community and talking about doing different things when it comes to diversity and all that. They're sort of presenting that, yes, we know that there is a problem and we're trying to fix it, but we're trying to fix it on our own terms. And I think if this goes to open court, then it's like, well, that's that's opening yourself up for further criticism and to say that we can't necessarily just deal with this on our own. And frankly, I don't think that the NFL would necessarily want to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they do open themselves up to that by you know, not necessarily forcing this thing or trying to force this thing into arbitration. And again, there's two concerns here. One, everything happens out of the public view. Two, the person making the decision has has just a touch of a conflict of interest when it gets down to it. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we're going to answer some questions. But before that, Miles put together a quarterback ranking and actually posted it on Twitter where everyone is calm and reasonable in their reaction to potentially controversial matters such as which quarterback is better than other quarterbacks. We'll discuss that when PFTPM continues right after this. Miles got ratioed today. Miles got ratioed. Okay, it wasn't I, that let, much of a ratio. Let, let me let me just say something. I think that that term is asinine. The concept oh that it's a bad tweet if you have more replies than you have likes. I look. Some tweets are made to encourage responses. Some tweets are specifically ask for responses. So. Generally speaking, let me just say, get the hell off of my lawn with this ratio bullcrap. <laughs> it's bullcrap. It's stupid. And anyone that uses it announces to the world how stupid they are. And go ahead and ratio me for that one, Twitter, if you wow. want. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I, who knew that this was going to get Mike so riled up before we even started talking about things? Well, I just, I don't like that. I, that term is, uh, the first time I saw oh, it, I understood what it is. All right. My reaction was, I'm sorry. this is I gotta, stupid. I got to stop you for a second because why? control room, why is my lower third spelled wrong? My goodness, guys. Look at this. What's spelled wrong? Oh, my Miles. Name. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, oh my god. Calling out the control room. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, no. That's, don't. Yeah. He's breaking That's down the fourth ratio. Calling I'm out so the control sorry. room. I mean, like, I would never usually do this. I love the full lovely folks that put us on television every day, but come on, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're using it in the form of distance. Maybe that's, Oh my goodness. Miles, Uh, miles. Ah, It's miles, miles, miles. He has miles of NFL quarterback ranking. The the responses Uh, go from miles. He was ratioed. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like the fact that you put Tom Brady in there. It's a little high. It's a little high, but I like the really? fact that he's in there. Yeah, four's ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead yeah. of Justin Herbert. Yeah. 
Um, Matthew Stafford at nine. I'm sure that is the the basis for the bulk of the ratio. Ratio. It was. Well, first of all, like most of the people who follow me are still Rams fans. So like I should have thought about that. But I I mean, I'm not even trying to diss Matthew Stafford and people like, oh, my gosh, the disrespect of having Matthew Stafford at number nine. Like, okay, can we can we just remember for a second that Matthew Stafford led the league with 17 interceptions. Also had some pretty critical fumbles there during the regular season. Now, he had one of the great playoff runs that we've seen. You know, he was at his best when his best was required, as Sean McVay loves to say. I'm not really trying to diss him in any way, but I like Dak Prescott. I like uh, Lamar Jackson when he's healthy. Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league in 2019. This is a guy who's still on the rise, and I feel like is going to be way better in 2022 than he was in 2021, where it became clear he wasn't quite healthy, and he just wasn't quite right toward the end of when he was playing. So I... I understand why people would get mad, but I stand by it. I, I think I think Matthew Stafford's a very good quarterback, but I just I, I don't know. That's just that was really the thing that made people so upset. By the way, I want to know more about this Daniel Jones. I I, oh, I don't know why. I don't know. Well, <laughs> hey, if you, hey, hey, you know what, Aaron Rodgers? If you're gonna call out people for spelling, you're gonna get called out for spelling too, Daniel Jones. We just had to. Have uh, there's my name. That, there it is. Miles that, with the that Y. May, that Thank may you have guys. been that may have been uh, suggested to me by uh, a vengeful bunch who you called out publicly. Uh, let's go ahead and answer a few questions. <laughs> that was fun though, fun exercise. Better you than me to get ratioed, ratioed <laughs> on a Wednesday. See Feather sixty four. If they can't or won't trade Kirk Cousins, are the Vikings able to add voided years to his current contract and convert some salary to bonus without consent? No, no, they're stuck. They're screwed. They are screwed. There are some contracts where a team has the ability to do a simple restructuring, convert salary to bonus, and spread it out over remaining years. No, they only create cap space if Kirk Cousins agrees, and he's not going to agree. He has them over a barrel. And one thing we know about Kirk Cousins, for all his flaws on the field, business-wise, he never blinks, he never yields, he never concedes. And there's no reason to think he will, Miles. Yeah, I mean, especially now that he's already kind of made that generational money that people get when they get their second contract. And, you know, he had Washington over a barrel before. He really successfully played that out. Now that he's with the Minnesota Vikings, again, he's got this organization over a barrel because there's not much else that they can do unless they want to extend him and give him more and more and more life-changing money. And frankly, I don't know if you're the Minnesota Vikings why you would do that, especially with the new regime. A. Kluber asks, is Mason Rudolph the week one starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022? <laughs> Ooh, they better hope not. They better hope not. I mean, we just saw those quarterback rankings that I had up there, right? He's in that, you know, 30 to 33 tier or whatever I put him in. So I don't I, I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think that they're, they're going to do something to address the quarterback position, whether it's a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo whether maybe it's Trubisky or Marcus Mariota, they've got to do something more than just keeping Mason Rudolph there because they also have Dwayne Haskins, you know, right? But that's not that's not a good situation going into week one. You ever see the movie Whiplash? Yes, yes. I love that movie. J.K. Simmons, the, no the, relation. The, what, the, this, right? We, we can do this with Mason Rudolph. We don't need to hear anymore. Double time swing. <laughs> you've had your chance. It's over. It's done. 
get out of here, right? I'm throwing a symbol at your head, Mason Rudolph. Get out of here. It's, we don't need to see anymore. We have seen it. I don't know what they're thinking to even have him in position to be the starter. You can't. You cannot go with Mason Rudolph. We agree on that. See, we agree on something. Mason Rudolph sucks. We agree. Sorry, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, Mason Rudolph is definitely not quite my tempo. That's exactly what I would say about that quarterback. <laughs> my tempo. Very well done. That movie <laughs> is awesome. It may be on Peacock right now. I'm not sure. Almost as good as Back to the Future, which Miles continues to have no intention to watch. Everybody have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow morning for BFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.